Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. This segment of Grassroots Marketing on Location is sponsored by greencranberry.com. Want access to new customers? The smart marketing money turns to online engagement. Green Cranberry is the online engagement platform for all things cannabis. Learn more at greencranberry.com. Cannabisradio.com presents Grassroots Marketing on Location, featuring exclusive one-on-one interviews with those impacting and evolving the cannabis industry. Now we take you on location to the 2015 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, Arizona. Reporting for CannabisRadio.com, here's Radical Russ Belleville. Joining us here at the desk is our first elected official of the day. We've got State Senator Mark Madsen from the Beehive State of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Great to be here. So uh, Utah really blew people's minds last year when you passed a limited medical marijuana measure, a CBD oil measure for epileptic kids. Can you give us an update on that and how the legislators have responded to that? Were their fears realized or not? I mean, what's the flavor there in Utah on that? Well, to the extent it's working, it's working well. I think that the total number of of people who are served is under 100. I think we've got about 85 uh, kids, mostly kids. I think there might be a few adults. Mm -hmm. So it was a very small first step, but it was a good first step. And and, uh, some of those kids are doing well with just the the, the low THC. Some of them are not doing as well and and have uh, needed to, to, to... change the ratio mm-hmm. uh, to get the relief they need. But uh, uh, yeah, great, uh, great first step. What is your current law in Utah as far as that ratio goes? A lot of people don't know that when we're talking about these CBD oil laws, a lot of time it's a min-max on the CBD versus how much THC. Yeah, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think in Utah right now it just it has to be less than a point oh three percent. I think it's just a very low percentage of THC, virtually yeah. non-existent. Point three percent, like the uh, industrial hemp would be. In yes, a lot I of think states. that's the same number they borrowed. Yeah. So, uh, is there any place in Utah where people can get this oil yet? No, and that's one of the other shortcomings of the laws that exist right now is that they have to. Everybody kind of turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state, typically uh, uh, Colorado, I think, uh, because they can't get 
a medical card other places. They have to go into a recreational state, get the medicine for their kids, and bring it back over the border. Right. And that, of course, is fraught with all sorts of difficulties. The possibility of being charged as a interstate drug trafficker. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's terrible. Sure. Not to mention the cost and the hassle of having to go to another state to get your medicine. So is there a movement uh, in the Utah legislature to address those problems? Well, sure. I, earlier this year, I, I ran uh, my bill, which would mirror the 23 other states. We went through and identified eight conditions uh, that uh, t- states typically uh, uh, list in their in their law uh, for, for patients who would qu- who would qualify, um, and 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 created legislatively created a, a bill that uh, anticipated uh, four commercial entities: a grow, a processing, testing, and dispensary, and then set up a, a structure, a process for patients and physicians to fill in an applicate, fill out an application together, submit it to the state, receive a card that they could use to then go to the dispensary. So it is a uh, uh, it is a, a pretty robust system, a lot of oversight and a lot of regulation, uh, as, as the other states have put in place as well. But, uh, you know, it really struck me when they brought those little kids out on the Senate floor back in 2014 when we passed the CBD-only uh, bill, and I realized that it was government policy that had been denying relief to these little kids who were suffering and, and unfortunately, dying. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the government long ago got into the business of practicing medicine, and, and we as elected officials can't just say, well, we can't practice medicine. Anything we do, one way or the other, we vote yes or no. We're making a medical decision for people, and it's my belief that those decisions should be made by the individuals themselves, consulting with their physician, rather than having a bureaucrat in a lab coat somewhere at an FDA lab somewhere that I've never met and doesn't care anything about me, make those medical decisions for me. Yeah, and we're speaking again with uh, State Senator Mark Madsen from the state of Utah, and uh, how is the prognosis for your bill and moving forward on this? I'm very optimistic. Again, it, it only lost by one vote in the, on the Senate floor last year. So I do think we have some momentum. And the opposition is out in force. They've rallied. They've organized. It's principally coming from government itself, from law enforcement, hmm. from some of the other bureaucracies within government um, that see a threat to the revenue stream or their power base. Uh, but, I'm again, I'm very optimistic. Um, uh, that the people of Utah get it. We're consistently getting over 70% support, regardless of religious affiliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people understand it so often it's because they, they themselves have either had one of the conditions and suffered uh, without relief or have had a loved one, someone near to them, who has uh, had cancer and gone through chemotherapy or has multiple sclerosis, and they understand that, again, the policy government is denying relief, denying quality of life through, uh, for people through the current policy. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm always uh, stunned by the disconnect between the politicians and the people on the medical marijuana issue. And even granting the fact that Utah is an extremely conservative state with a very high religious participation uh, in that state, it seems like the people really are getting this. Uh, is there is there a Tenth Amendment uh, argument that people are buying on this as well? You keep mentioning the federal interference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, this for, for conservatives, and I'm ranked as one of the most conservative members of our legislature, and this is ready-made for conservatives. Every aspect of our philosophy, or at least what we're supposed to believe in, the individual liberty, the limited government, um, uh, and, and yes, uh, uh, the... the, the you know, in in other states, uh, it's my understanding that the Mormon Church has said that this decision is, is a doctor-patient decision, decision, just like any other prescription. Or, or you know, it can be abused, but it should be left 
at that level. Personally, um, I, I would be a patient in, in, in Utah. Uh, my doctors uh, uh, recommended to me that I look into this years ago, uh, and uh, I would I would uh, uh, benefit uh, uh, fr- from this uh, as well. So it's it's something that uh, um, yeah we need to do it right. We need to do it uh, for for the people uh, that the law-abiding citizens that shouldn't be made criminals and risk losing their kids and their house and their job just because they want to take medicine and improve their quality of life. Now, I may be going out on a limb here. Uh, Utah is a state that for, until just recently, had some really uh, archaic uh, liquor laws as well as far as private clubs and such. So I'm not even going to uh, imagine that legalization is coming anytime soon to Utah. But I have a personal stake in this. I'm actually a convicted uh, criminal in the state of Utah for having possession of a little tiny amount of marijuana. Interesting. And uh, is there any traction on the... On the criminal justice angle, a lot of people now are talking about mass incarceration and those problems. Does anyone in Utah see it that way yet? Well, I think some are starting to, and you make a good point, and I like to tell people that there is a risk. I mean, and there are always side effects. Mm -hmm. There's always a risk, and there is a risk that if you, you know, bring marijuana into your life, into your lifestyle, you may do damage. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you, You may ruin your life. If you introduce government into that equation, you guarantee to ruin your go. life. Um, you know, I've known a lot of people that have uh, went to high school in Colorado. A lot of people that probably damaged their grades one semester because they got too far into it, walked away, decided I'm not going to do it, or I'm going to moderate my, my, my intake. I know people I went to high school with that are still, that are executive, high-level executives that still uh, t- t- take it, uh, I guess, technically recreationally. Um, so, I, I again, I... You know, it's the people that, that, that are in the low percentage that get caught by government, mm-hmm. that get their lives destroyed. I've seen too many people who have dealt with it on their own without government having to throw them in prison, without government having to take their money or waste their time, that have sorted it out for themselves. Again, I believe in the people that elected me. I believe that they have the smarts to make decisions for their lives much better than I or anybody else in government could. Mm. Pass that around, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Tell more of your well, fellows you that because think that's a great in Utah. Yeah, claiming that we're so conservative, there would be more people that saw things that way. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed that more of my colleagues don't. It always seems that the drug war issues uh, seem to be the exception to conservative thinking. It's it's like you shut down your principles and you turn on your emotion and you just let it go. And and I'm glad you brought up also that. You know, uh, sometimes on our side, we get criticized for painting marijuana as this harmless panacea for all life's ills. And I'll, I'll be the first to say I've had bad instances with cannabis, and I know other people that have as well. Nothing's harmless that alters your mind and mood. However, people develop uncomfortable, bad relationships with food, sex, gambling, liquor, sure, cigarettes. And how much worse would that be if government was showing up and locking you up right. and forcing you right. to take urine tests and all of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I really had to learn a lot about this issue. I had to learn the difference between addiction and dependency. There you go. And I had to learn that as a, as a healthy person, when I was prescribed by my physician, when I was prescribed opiates, and I took them for over three or four weeks, that as a healthy person, my nerves were going to be conditioned to that. And if I went off it, I would have a withdrawal, mm-hmm. as he- any healthy person does. Those feelings, that withdrawal sensation is not addiction. People can get addicted, as you say, to sex. They can get addicted to gambling. They can they get addicted. There's a show on TV about my strange addiction. There yes. was a guy who was addicted to like licking cars or something. They, you can get addicted to anything. Yes, some people, if they have those inclinations, could get addicted to, to, to cannabis. But the chemical dependency component is radically different. Sure. Having been prescribed opiates, having gone through the withdrawal myself, I understand what that feels like and how 
uncomfortable that, that that really is. Now knowing that there's cannabis, that the, that the side effects, again, there is no perfect, there is no silver bullet for somebody who's suffering through chronic pain, multiple back surgeries and so forth, the, uh, there, there is no silver bullet. But, and I'm not here to bash opiates. I mean, I was over 300 pounds at one point, and I was disengaged. I wasn't active with my kids. I wasn't doing opiates helped me to lose 80 pounds, to bring my blood pressure down, to re-engage, to be more active. So I'm not here trying to bash opiates. By the same token, they nearly killed me. Sure. I had a patch that burst. I was taking the medicine exactly the way my doctor had told me, just as many other patients that end up as a statistic, and it burst, and the, and the, the, the goo got out of my skin and, oh. and went in much faster than it was supposed to. Oh, my kids found me essentially dead on the couch. Wow. Okay, so... Again, no perfect solution to this, but if I take too much cannabis, I don't end up dead. Right. Okay. You might enjoy so, noodly guitar solos. Well, I more. might get a headache. I might. Yeah. But so we have to look at these things in the proper context. You know, in states that have this, the opioid overdoses are down by twenty-five to thirty percent. We have an, an epidemic in Utah. That would be the difference of seven to eight lives a month in Utah that would mm. be saved if the people in Utah are at least as smart as the, as the people in the other twenty-three states. I believe they are. I have confidence in the people that elected me that they're smart enough to make these decisions by themselves. They don't need the daddy state, and they don't need the nanny state. They don't need the Democratic nanny state or the Republican daddy state making this decision for them. State Senator Mark Madsen from the state of Utah. Uh, do you have any contact information to give to the audience if they'd like more information? Or uh, yeah, sure. Uh, get in touch with me, uh, Mark. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, M. Madsen at le. Utah, spelled out U T A H. gov. Uh, and would love to uh, uh, get folks who are interested, have questions, or that want to support this, especially folks within uh, Utah that want to support this effort. We're gonna our work's carved out for us. As I say, the opposition is organizing and mounting, and they have a, a competing bill that I'm calling a political placebo that gives people. A, a, I think it's designed to give my colleagues a chance to vote for something and 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 feel like they're doing some good without really practically helping anyone at all. It's one. It's it's. I think it's kind of nefarious. But that's what we're dealing with. Utah State Senator Mark Madsen, I want to thank you for being here. And I want to encourage even more generally our listeners out there in the red states, find your conservative legislators and start this discussion because there's so much on the conservative uh, agenda that fits this and it should be addressed. And you might be surprised. They might be more on your side than you think. And, Senator, thanks for being here and concluding our interview right at 420. Oh, no, appropriate. Thank you. And I'm yeah, very proud of the political coalition. We got all the Democrats and the Tea Party Republicans together on this, and we're going we're gonna to take it this time. All right. It's a bipartisan issue for sure. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. Appreciate Pleasure. it. Pleasure. All right. We'll go back to some music. And coming up next, we've got Stephen D'Angelo joining us. Thank you for listening to this edition of Grassroots Marketing on location, only on CannabisRadio.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.